Hey, everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, do you ever feel out of place in a new setting? For example, are you quiet at a party because you are shy, or are you quiet at a party because you're looking for an easy way out? How to fit into a situation when you feel dropped into a situation? We're talking about it up next, right after the news with Katie Mercedes. Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. Authorities say that three children and an adult have been injured after an SUV collided with a car and sent it through the front of a Kansas City daycare center. About 40 children were inside the center. Two ended up trapped under the car as the driver fled the scene. There's no word on the condition of the injured children. Police in Washington, D.C. think a series of vandalism incidents on national landmarks are connected. A woman was arrested yesterday and charged with splattering green paint inside two chapels at the Washington National Cathedral. Police earlier discovered two similar incidents, including one at the Lincoln Memorial. Bradley Manning was acquitted today of aiding the enemy, but he was convicted of espionage, theft, and other charges. All in all, Manning was convicted on 19 of 21 counts. He could still face up to 136 years in prison. And a small school district in Arkansas will arm 20 volunteer teachers and staff with handguns starting this fall for the coming school year. Clarksville School District is the latest school in a conservative state to give teachers handguns, but soaring insurance costs have often made such programs debilitatingly expensive in the end. In world news, authorities say the driver of the passenger train that crashed in Spain was on the phone and apparently looking at a document as his train barreled ahead at 95 miles per hour. That's twice the speed limit in that area. The train was carrying 218 passengers as it hurtled off the tracks and slammed into a concrete wall, killing 79 people in all. And a United Nations monitoring group says that Facebook declined to help its investigation on piracy. Facebook representatives said the agency didn't have legal authority. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side. So good to have you with us today. Today, we got a great topic for you. We're also just so grateful to have our own Sky Boy in studio with us today. Hey, Sky, how are you? Good, Matt. How are you? Good. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Wow. Yeah. You were running right in, (laughs) weren't you? Hey. What happened? So... We, we we start the show and we do a little tease. Oh, come on. I knew he was going to bring it. And then we send it to Katie Mercedes or Jarvis. She likes to be called by her real name. Um, and, uh, and we're just waiting for Skyboy to come. We were all just waiting. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Where were you, pal? Uh, I was just out and about. Just out and about. Yeah. Just <laughs> on a little walk? Where were you? Um, well. I mean, I don't care at all. Then why are you asking? I just think I want to put you on the spot. I'm um, dropping you into something. Some, sometimes, sometimes when I sit in here, I get a little bored and I need to walk around and, yeah. you know, yeah, get my legs moving. Yeah. So how long? You must have been gone, I don't know, half hour, 25 minutes? It was like five minutes. Really? And yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know because there's our boss walking by right there. He has no idea you did this till he listens he has to the no show idea. later today. <laughs> um, anyway, that's all right because guess what our topic is today? You being weren't, on, you weren't being on time? No, no. Mm. It's about that pressure that you feel 
when you're just dropped into a situation. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, kind of what it's like if you haven't touched the control board in five or six weeks and then yeah. the board op doesn't show up. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Rob's got to run the board. That We dropped him into the situation see, and he see, felt a lot of pressure. I think this is why this needed to happen. Exactly. Yeah. But it was good. I felt compelled to leave the studio. I didn't know why I needed to. And that was it. I, yeah. And then when I saw that it was three o'clock. You said I, you felt compelled to wait. To I don't wait know, three more minutes. minutes. Four yeah. more minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that was weird. A good object lesson for today's yeah. show. Well, I, I couldn't have set it up better myself. I appreciate that's, it. That's why because here. it was fun to see Rob working it. Well, that's – the control board is what gets people into radio. Well, I guess there's two reasons. Either they want to be a star. Yeah. They want to be talented. Matt. Yeah. Or deep down, they want to be a jock. They want to be in, pushing the buttons. And yeah, I don't see that. And dreaming of the day when it was like, you know, back in the Haiti when you had like 80s rock or like the hits. And so you could just really quickly be hitting the jingle and then hitting the music and then come on and be like, hey, hey, hot hits, 45 hey, minutes, 45 minutes, for, you know. And so that's why you got into radio was to be. You wanted the jock side of it. You yeah, wanted I wanted the to be able to be like, you know, 52 minutes of commercial free music on the way next. You know? <laughs> wow. And, and then you punch the button and the jingle comes on and then the rock song comes on after that. And Why didn't you, if you wanted the power of the buttons, why didn't you like work at a nuclear plant or something? But that's not exciting. 52 minutes of commercial free not melting downs. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's. But when you push a button there, you're it, pushing a button. There's no jingles in the nuclear plant. <laughs> That's true. So you really wanted Chernobyl. you wanted to be on air though too. Huh? That was cool. Yeah. So if I just took you and put you to be, and I asked you to be the announcer, the MC at an event with twenty five thousand people, are there jingles? No jingles. <laughs> All you got to do is get out there, hit your mark. <laughs> Would that freak you out? Well, that happened to me at a fireworks show. They said, hey, hey, you work at radio. Why don't you just jump in and grab the mic and tell people where the trash cans are, the bathrooms and stuff. Really? And and you don't have time in that moment to explain that the psychology is so different because in radio, you're almost schizophrenic where you're just talking to the wall. And so you can say yeah. whatever goofball yeah. thing you want. And once in a while, somebody calls on the phone and then you can kind of tease with them and then you play it on the air. But you're just talking to that, that one lady that calls in or you're talking to the wall and versus all of a sudden at a fireworks show where there's, you know, yeah. 5,000 people sitting on the hillside and it's you're a on a deal. mic. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Did you like the discomfort or did you do you tend to run from such discomfort? Well, I, I, it's weird. It's almost like there's a part of me that really wanted to do, do that. Grab the really? mic and talk to 5000 people. But it yeah. was scary because in radio, you don't see those 5000 people. And That's at true. a fireworks show, you do. They're all right there. It's a different feeling when you can't see their looks of disgust. Versus when you're looking right in their looks of disgust, when you are the subject of their disgust, <laughs> the focus. See, that's what we're talking about today. Discomfort. So everybody kind of has probably a fairly typical M.O. of how they handle discomfort. Some just jump right in. When I was in school, I learned that if they ask for a volunteer, like on the first day, just do it. Just jump in because everyone in the room feels uncomfortable. Right? Don't they? Like, okay, who wants to go first and do the first speech today? Actually, that, whenever they ask for a volunteer, that moment of, like, everyone's tension and complete silence, I kind of love that feeling. Do you? I want it to go on forever. Whoa, really? Yes. You know what you need to be? 
A dentist. A dentist. Because they get to have that moment all day long. Have you been flossing? (laughs) Now, what about being the second guy? I would hate to be the second guy. So as as a Mormon, and if you're not familiar with uh, Mormon uh, Sunday meetings, one time a month they have a meeting where the congregation can take turns getting up on a volunteer basis and share what's in their heart. And so they always say, okay, we're turning the time over to you. You can get up and, you know, bear your testimony. And I think, oh, I'd like to get up, but I don't want to be the first guy. You don't so want to break be, the ice. I, I, I want to be the, the second guy. Well, by then, you know, four or five other people go up and get in line and they think, ah, ah it's too late. I don't ever think of that. See, I always feel this dilemma when I have to speak yes. at church because I want to be the first one so I can get done quick. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the first person or and second person take forever, leaving the last person maybe less two time. minutes less time. See? So then I kind of want to be the last person. But wouldn't you rather control your destiny and say what you want to say? Hmm? That discomfort could kill you. It could make you or break you. Are you with me? Bryce. As long as, as, long as we're making awkward silences, I love it. You like the awkward silence. Oh, that's like... The tension. Well, like, that explains a lot, doesn't it, Merritt? Because he's he's just does. awkward. Yeah, I mean. And it makes like, that's why he always just has those long pauses between sentences where we're all like, are you done? Like, are you going to say <laughs> are something? Are you talking? Is there a period at the end of that <laughs> sentence? Was it? <laughs> Merritt, what do you think? For reals, is this discomfort, do you enjoy a little bit of discomfort and does it motivate you or do you just run away? I Hide. Would, I would say it's situational. Sometimes I like the discomfort because it's a challenge and I am a competitive person in some areas and I like the challenge and I want to get over it and be awesome and it's great. Other times I just kind of want to like curl up into a ball and lay on the bed. (laughs) Just just hibernate until (laughs) whatever it is blows over. Exactly. Yeah. Because you you can have – it could be too uncomfortable. You know, like a boss could put pressure on you in a way that – it just is way uncomfortable or, you know, it could be a challenge and you could take it as a challenge. So how do you, how do you know? How hard do you push somebody? I mean, you, I usually push till they pop, till I hear a crack. Like when Skyboy, like for example, Sky, where were you? You were just messing around. Come on, pal. See, but this little bit of pressure you feel when we talk about you not being on the show on time. Um, it just, you know, hopefully it just makes you better tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe not. Push and push and push until you end up at HR. That's it. Until I get a call from upstairs. (laughs) Then we've gone too far. Well, then they're going to say, Skyboy, where were you for real? And then, because you remember the first thing I asked you when you came in. What what did you ask? Bryce knows. Who was she? What was her name? Who was she? Yeah. And we, we know you were by the candy machine. We know it involves Skittles and some. And one of the receptionist girls. Yep, exactly. Uh, if only that were true. Maybe it just involved an amp and that some is, Skittles. That's what it involved. Well, that was not as exciting. <laughs> so discomfort. We all go through it. Think about the first time as a kid you have to go, you know, do your first part in that little play about Abraham Lincoln. Right? Uh, mine was actually on uh, conservation and animal extinction. Extinction. Really? Yes. Wow. Once they're gone, they're gone forever. That's what they called it. That sounds That's traumatic. pretty dark. Mine was um, I played in Alice in Wonderland 
the the rabbit. What was his name? The, I'm late. I'm late. I'm late for a very and important I sang, date. I had to sing that solo. The white rabbit. Oh, was please, that was please, that the white rabbit? Please yes. Give us a little taste. No, <laughs> come on. A taste of rabbit, <laughs> or a taste of my song. Your song. Uh, no, because that's too uncomfortable. Oh, there it is for everyone else. The tables have turned, Matt. I'm totally fine doing it, but I had to sing the song and introduce the entire play. And not only was I nervous, but let me just say I rose to the occasion and then was asked to do other solos in other 7th and 8th grade plays. You have my condolences. Yeah. That's where I realized I probably am born to be a star. You couldn't sing a solo in 7th grade because your voice hadn't changed yet. Uh, my voice didn't change till 12th what, what grade. It wasn't low enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. But see, that discomfort of your voice not changed yet, that's hard. So that's what we're talking about today. The pain of discomfort and yet the pleasure that it can bring if you'll step up to that little weird moment of insecurity. Now, Merritt, you've been doing some research for us. I have been doing some research. What have you found about this little moment of discomfort? We all have about four of them maybe a week. Just four. I've been counting mine. Okay. Four moments of discomfort a week. Well, there are some there are some different reactions you can have. You mentioned that you can kind of step up and make it Boom, work home for you. run. Yeah, Crack. there you go. But there's something that we all kind of do, and there's a term for it. It's called manic defense, Ooh. which is when we're confronted with uncomfortable thoughts, and in order to react to those, we make ourselves busy. Oh, yeah. So oh, I do that. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. oh, I really don't want to deal with this. I'm going to go... I'm going to go mow the lawn. Yeah. I'm going to go watch the BBC Sherlock because it's like an hour and a half long. It's like a movie, but you know longer what? and better. You need to watch <laughs> Gandhi. Not watch the Gandhi. <laughs> Gandhi. Smooth. Three and a half hours of yeah. genius, but or, three and a half or hours. Or my roommate who found the documentary on Netflix, the like Auschwitz, Camp of Death. It's oh, like yeah. eight episodes, oh. but each one's like two hours. Oh, yeah. But you got to see it if you really want to change the but world. But distracting himself. It's good. I have, yeah. No, seriously. I have some really good lists for extremely long TV and or movies. This is called manic defense. Can, manic defense. You can also do it, though, when you kind of – it's what happens with, kind of with addicts. They try to create the opposite feeling. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, they try to make themselves feel as comfortable as possible okay. and as happy as possible, sure. which is why they'll reach for things that are – will harm them but give yeah. them a good feeling for right. a little bit. A little buzzy buzz. Yeah. But then – and then sometimes we reach – if we're comfortable, we reach for the uncomfortable. What is, how does that work? Boredom. Yeah, I think that's like, what we're getting at right yeah, there. That's true. It's like running. Yeah. <laughs> you work out. You know, it's funny because you would think we wouldn't do this because instead you'd think we just want to be effective. Yeah, but the human race, yeah. you know. <laughs> we like to expectations. Yeah. Overrated. <laughs> Below Overrated. That's funny. Okay, that's sad, but true. Okay, but there are also some other things you can do. Is just if you are having a time in your life when you're just uncomfortable with whatever you're faced with, yeah. like if you have a huge project at work, you don't really feel like you're qualified to do, or you know something like that, problems in your relationship, you can also just kind of power through it by making yourself feel comfortable. Hmm. And so you I can have wear some tips for that. jammies. Yeah, one one example is to walk. Walking is like the most one of the most calming things you can do for yourself. Really? Yeah, you get. I'm All good at walking. The, but yeah. not walking away. No. Just, just go on a walk. Like You're... Skyboy took a break and walked around the street. He did. So maybe he was feeling really overwhelmed because... Did that help? Yeah, until I realized I was you... late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, don't feel uncomfortable. We care about you. Now I'm uncomfortable. But we did write it up, so whatever. 
and it is on the radio. <laughs> so deal with it. Um, what else can we do? A little walkie walk. Yeah, you can go on a walk. You could write about it. So you could just kind yeah. of do events. Dear diary. Just be like, I'm so overwhelmed. Blah, 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 yeah, and yeah. you get all of those thoughts out of your head so you don't keep cycling them I through. like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, you could go help somebody else. Ah. <laughs> nah. And Matt really? has revealed his screen that's, a, that's actually that's a great idea. Get out of yourself. Serve yeah. someone else. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because then you're you mean lots of times too, your own discomfort can be lessened. I go and um on Sunday evenings I go to a old folks home where they all have dementia. Yeah. And it's really fun. I bet. That's it's cool. very entertaining. Yeah. And it's kind of fun because you see their lives are kind of wacky, and so I don't feel so bad about mine. Yeah, you're feeling like, Man, sad. I got it. Good. But it's also really entertaining, and it can be super fun. And they say weird things well, to that's you. That's nice of you. Yeah, it's really fun. Plus, it, yeah. So if you had a big problem or a big project the next day, oh, but if you're avoiding the project, you probably ought to go work. You, on the you probably should work on the project. Or you could go to the old folks' home and help those people and decompress for a second. Mm-hmm. Then you can be more effective when you return to your project. It's a great idea. Yeah. Anything else? Um, you could give yourself some things, some positive self-talk. You like, can do it. It'll be okay. I can power through this. Yeah. I've done stuff like this before. The this power only of discomfort. This is just a second. Yeah. That's cool. You can um, meditate. There have mm. been so many studies recently about how meditation helps your overall well-being. If you so. could learn to be okay with the discomfort, mm-hmm. imagine what you could accomplish. Yeah. And speaking of meditation, you think of all of those um, It kind of – I, I want to say like, like Sufis, the mystic yeah, yeah. Eastern religions. Right. They do all sorts of things with their meditation where they do really uncomfortable situations, kind of like yoga, contortions yeah. or things A like that. But they're nails. totally okay with it. They're so in control of yeah. their mind, which is bizarre and really cool. Well, think of every major accomplishment – probably had a moment of discomfort oh heavens yes every major overcoming of a fear or whatever well yeah and if you can i think um one of my heroes is william william wilberforce he has like the hardest name to say because it's ridiculous wilberforce yeah but he has force Force in his name so he was doing pretty good well yeah he was also a tiny man who had a disease called ulcerative colitis oh that's that's just completely painful all the time yeah yeah but he also managed to kind of single-handedly abolish slavery in england it just he really yeah he turned that over into making himself productive he that's cool from discomfort yeah to change in the world it's pretty awesome that's the topic today folks how do you deal with the discomfort of your life you know we all run into something maybe you got to go face the in-laws after an argument and it's a little uncomfortable how do you push through it especially today we're going to be talking about how to manage a little bit of discomfort in your workplace and be able to use it to take your life, your career to the next level. We're going to be bringing on an expert that can help us after uh, this break, though. We're going to come back with Bryce Tobin, who's going to, uh, you know, do a little rant about the good old discomfort. This is the Matt Townsend Show, friends. Thanks for listening. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right here on BYU Radio. Is the room you're in too noisy or too quiet? It turns out some noise is good for you. But how much? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Ever find yourself saying, it's too loud to hear yourself think? Scientists from the University of British Columbia and University of Virginia investigated that idea to see how noise levels can affect your creativity as well as your behavior as a consumer. It appears that there is a sort of Goldilocks range, not too loud, not too quiet. That's the sweet spot for both. 
Counter to expectations, silence may not be golden here. People in the studies did less well at creative tasks in a dead silent room compared to a room with a moderate amount of human speech noises. The slight distraction from noise was found to free people's minds to think more creatively. The best results came from a peak noise level around 70 decibels, about the level inside your car while driving on a highway. But too much of a good thing is bad for concentration. 85 decibels and up makes thinking harder! <clears throat> the research has marketing applications as well. It showed that people in a store with a little noise would tend to try new products more. But loud stores kill sales. For Innovation Now, this is, <clears throat> this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Richard and Linda Iyer. Hello, listeners. Have a unique perspective on life. I was going to do this show from underwater. But when it comes to parenting, they always know just what to say. And after writing over 20 books on the subject, they are more passionate than ever about helping people raise happy families. It kind of makes your whole life more vibrant. Join Richard and Linda for Iyer's on the Road weekdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern here on BYU Radio. Listen to Notes from the Kennedy Center for insights from scholars, diplomats, and world leaders. I find that if we get together, if we share our strengths, if we pool our knowledge, if we get a very clear, simple focus and try to do something quite simple, that even those few simple actions which seem so little can have an extraordinary impact. Weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about discomfort and how a little bit of discomfort can go a long way to ch- maybe changing your life for good. A lot of us, you know, have a complete aversion to discomfort, but not our own Bryce Tobin. Bryce here loves a little bit of discomfort. Why is that, Bryce? It seems so, I don't know, messed up. You know, whenever anyone in the office says, oh, well, that's a little bit awkward, I'll always poke my head up above the walls and be like, did uh, did someone say awkward? <laughs> did somebody call me? Did someone say but my name? But you, you thrive in these little uh, moments of discomfort. And I think it's because people can't lie when they're, discom- when they're yeah, totally I've uncomfortable. I've heard you talk about this before. You like it when there's – because it, it brings out this edge of honesty, reality. It, yeah, it brings out the reality. Because they can't say, fine, just yeah. great. When you're comfortable, you can put up an act. You can yeah. do whatever. But when someone says, hey, I need you to do this one thing or if they call you out on something or whatever maybe that may create it, what we would call an awkward situation, yeah. boom, the real boom. you emerges. Is that what this rant is about? Eh, more or less. Okay, we're going to go hear the good old discomfort, a little rant from Bryce Tobin. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce's right. So there's the feeling of pain, which I feel most of us will agree that it's a useful tool for survival, but we're pre-programmed with another similar feeling, it's discomfort, and clearly it was intended to cover the rest of those things that aren't painful but still aren't good for you. Or in the very least, things that you don't think are good for you. So there's this gray area that we've created, and you know what I think? I think feelings of discomfort hold us back from things like being great or trying new things. 
So to really progress to the next stage of humanity, we just need to get rid of these feelings of discomfort. And I can think of a few methods. We could take the evolutionary method and make sure those who tend to feel less discomfort keep breeding until we've eliminated all inherent discomforts. But that'll take some time and we have so little control over it. And it all seems very unreasonable. We could create some kind of massive psychological immunization program. I mean, first we'd figure out how to really perform any kind of psychological immunization. But hey, where there's a will, there's a way. We've pretty much gotten rid of polio, right? Why not discomfort? And once we train people to ignore or fight against those feelings of discomfort, we'll create a culture that keeps itself free of discomfort. Then again, even that seems a bit involved. We need something a little more instant. Because, you know, this is America. We don't really like waiting. Well, just so happens there is. A long time ago, science came up with a way to turn off feelings of discomfort with a class of chemicals called opiates. Number one, we know this gets rid of pain, but that's obvious, and that's not what we're interested in. We want to go deeper. Feeling a little nervous about something like a presentation or a first date? Toss back a few opiates and you won't have a care in the world. You won't have any trouble being honest and open. Your nerves won't get to you. Really, this gives you limitless possibilities. Maybe you have a friend with a significant other that gives you the creeps. With a little morphine in the bloodstream, you won't have time to care about the creeps. In fact, if you do it often enough, you'll associate these uncomfortable situations with euphoria, so with time, you might even start to enjoy these situations and look forward to them. Well, that is until you start becoming tolerant of the drugs. I mean, there's a lot of options, so you could probably cycle through different kinds to slow the tolerance process, but you can't avoid it entirely. Then, all of a sudden, you're taking higher and higher doses, and now you're addicted to opiates. You're having withdrawal symptoms, all situations are uncomfortable situations, and you've lost the ability to effectively deal with the situations that you find to be uncomfortable. So, do you see why these feelings of discomfort aren't such a bad thing? I don't like feeling uncomfortable any more than the next guy, but the feeling's there because it's the most useful tool that we have. It helps me avoid things I'm unprepared for, and as a side effect, it forces me to grow when I decide to power through it. Maybe someday we won't need it, but it's going to be a long time before that happens. Until then, be thankful for your discomfort. It's better than opiate withdrawals. Alright, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Be thankful for your discomfort. It's better than an opiate withdrawal. I think that's true. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, well, there we go. It's interesting. But see, without the discomfort, how would you know that there's going to be this pleasurable success when you conquer it? You know, I think the probably the best example of this is when I go to the gym and I'm lifting, but someone has the weight I want. So I go in and someone has the 30s. Yeah. Is that what you lift? Well... Depends on which one. That's probably for everything. That's for he everything. That's for actually everything. the heaviest. <laughs> that's what I, that I do. I just I stick to one weight, so I'm totally even yeah, all the way over. Smart. Yeah, you want to be one size fits all. I'm really like t- becoming circular or <laughs> or square, <laughs> whichever. Round. You know, no. So so I'll get there, and someone has the 30s, and 25 is a little bit too light. I've yeah. I've kind of upgraded from that. So it's like, well, should I do the the 35s? I'll give it a whirl. Let's see what happens. What's the worst thing that could happen? You know, I could just tear a muscle. No, it's one of those things, you know, I, I get it and yeah. uh, I do okay. In the very least, I push myself a little. Or sometimes I'll do it and I'll be like, I stomped this. Time to go to 40. 30 can go, you know. Yeah, see, then you need the next high. <laughs> then the next high. See, this is where physical exercise becomes addictive. That's why it's better that you don't do it. Well, maybe a little, but I think I was going more for good uh, progress. Oh, oh, okay. You were going so- for progress. Um, it's interesting because the opiate's a great example. Uh, I, the, a lot of people that are on opiate, opiates that aren't feeling any discomfort, they, um, they don't seem to progress as much. They seem rather stuck. Yeah. You need a little pain. Little, you need a little discomfort to know it's time to move. 
It's time to move. It's time to move forward or time to move back. Either or. That's right. Like, let's say you had no, let's say a guy on a motorcycle pulls up in front of you. Cut you off. So what we're saying is Sam, who usually does the news, pulls Sam up in front of me with his motorcycle, and which just, he has and, done. And the guy gets off the motorcycle, and you're like, oh, hey, look at this nice guy pulling over in front of me and getting off the motorcycle. So that creates this sense of discomfort. Like, like uh-oh. dude, what's this guy doing? And he, let's just say he's giving you the eye like, I'm about to kill you. You need to know you're feeling discomfort in order to go find comfort. Or escape from that situation yeah. to somewhere that is because if you can't do that, you're going to get kicked or, or hurt. Get, you know, punched in the face. Could happen. Could happen. Could it? It's just an idea. <laughs> so today we're talking discomfort. There is apparently some wonderful benefits to having a little bit of discomfort in your life. After the break, we're going to come back and talk to a leadership expert. Dan Rockwell will be joining us. He's going to show us and talk to us about how a little discomfort at work can go a very long way. Whether you're a manager or just somebody experiencing it, you might be on the verge of um, some pretty amazing breakthroughs. This is the Matt Townsend Show, folks. We're going to take a break uh, after this, and we'll listen to some news from uh, Katie Mercedes Jarvis. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Get recharged at BYU Education Week. It is the best decision I make coming back year after year. I will not be the same. Education Week classes run from August 19th to the 23rd. To register, visit us online at educationweek.byu.edu. I would encourage everybody to come, and you'll not regret it. BYU Education Week, a thousand ways to renew, refresh, recharge. Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. Authorities say that three children and an adult have been injured after an SUV collided with a car and sent it through the front of a Kansas City daycare center. About 40 children were inside when the crash happened. Two ended up trapped under the car as the driver fled the scene. There's no word on the condition of the injured yet. An attorney for the man who was abandoned in a Drug Enforcement Administration holding cell for four days without food or water last year says his client has agreed to settle claims for $4.1 million. The DEA had no policy on the treatment of detainees at the time. It does now, and that policy includes cameras in cells and daily inspections. Police in Washington, D.C. think a series of vandalism incidents at national landmarks are connected. A woman was arrested yesterday and charged with splattering green paint inside two chapels at the Washington National Cathedral. Police earlier discovered two similar incidents, including one at the Lincoln Memorial. A small school district in Arkansas will arm 20 volunteer teachers and staff with handguns starting this fall for the coming school year. Clarksville School District is the latest school in a conservative state to give teachers handguns, but soaring insurance costs have often made such programs debilitatingly expensive in the end. In world news, authorities say the driver of the passenger train that crashed in Spain was on the phone and apparently looking at a document as well as his train barreled ahead at 95 miles per hour. That is actually twice the speed limit in the area. The train was carrying 218 passengers and hurtled off the tracks, slamming into a concrete retaining wall, killing 79 people. 
The European Union's top diplomat says deposed Egyptian President Mohamed Morsi has access to information about the current crisis and that he's well. EU foreign policy chief Catherine Ashton says they had a discussion today in about a two-hour meeting about Egypt's political crisis, and it was very open and very frank. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome come on or? to the Matt Townsend Show. <laughs> I just like watching your face when I don't do what you want me to do. How you doing? Good. It's good to have you back, Skyboy. I've, I've been here for a while now. Good so. times. Good times. Uh, welcome to the program, everybody. We're trying today to create a little discomfort uh, in each other. We do that pretty much every time we're together. But we're trying to show you maybe there's some benefits out there to each of us in getting used to this idea of feeling, I don't know, just a little bit of discomfort. So we've asked a wonderful guest to join us today. Dan Rockwell is his name, and you may have heard of him. He has a blog that is a very well-read blog. Tons of people go to this blog called Leadership Freak. And it is available. In fact, he won an award. He was recognized as the most socially shared leadership blog of 2012 by the Center of Management and Organizational Excellence. You can find his blog, Leadership Freak, by going to leadershipfreak.wordpress.com. And Dan is just a leadership kind of guru. He's been in a variety of leadership positions uh, in the nonprofit world, even since the age of 19, he's been doing that. He's also had more than 35 years of experience, including running his own businesses and 15 years as a workforce development consultant for Pennsylvania State University. He lives in Pennsylvania with his uh, wonderful wife, and um, we are so grateful to have him here. Dan, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. Really is. And you're also the author of The Character-Based Leader, co-author, right, of that book. That's correct. So help me out with this, because most people, when they hear the word discomfort, they don't think, yeah, let's do more of that. Yeah, I'm thinking most of us are uncomfortable with the word discomfort, <laughs> and probably right. we should be. You yeah. know, we're kind of sick if we're comfortable with it, right? Right, exactly. That's what we're seeing with my team. A lot of my team members love discomfort. Oh, do they? Yeah. Well, that's probably why they work for you, right? Isn't now? that weird? I know, and that's, that makes sense, because now they, can, they accept me. But you're yeah. saying it's actually, it might be a great tool in leadership. Oh, it definitely is. Uh, you know, if, if we reject all discomfort, we might as well just embrace slugdom. You know, yeah. we just become slugs or yeah. worms or things without any, any uh, firmness to them. I heard you on the pre-show a little bit talking about working out. I mean, let's face it. If there is no discomfort, then um, we become uh, slug-like. Oh, totally. Sloppy. But there's people that their whole purpose in life is just to avoid the discomfort. It's, I guess it's the searching for the pleasure that we want more than just the avoidance of pain. Or maybe it is also the avoidance of pain. Well, probably, probably it goes together. But I really think in the leadership world, which is part of what we're talking about here, but parenting as well, 
I mean, there is this very positive role of discomfort. It teaches us a direction we should step in rather than away. In other words, if I'm going to grow, I'm going to need to stretch myself. I'm going to need to put myself in a situation that I haven't been there before. Oh, yeah. I'm going to need to launch out. You know what I'm saying? Well, think of every great – I mean, think of just little things you take for granted. I have a son learning to drive, and we asked him if he wanted to drive home from the show the other day, which would mean getting on the freeway. And he wasn't comfortable doing that. Um, but I think, okay, I remember the day I wasn't comfortable getting on the freeway. But but we got on the freeway. We pushed ourselves into that discomfort, and now it's no longer uncomfortable. Absolutely. It, remember when you learned to ride a bike? It really wasn't that comfortable when you started off. No. It never is, darn it. <laughs> uh, but so you're basically, in your mind, though, struggle basically equals growth. I think it does. And without struggle, there is no growth. Uh, I was just reading the other day, the CEO of uh, IBM s- uh, said that growth and comfort do not coexist. And I, I really think hmm. that's true. It's, it's impossible to grow without some measure of discomfort in our lives. Oh, yeah. I mean, think of your children, having children, the, the fears you had as a new father or the fears you had moving out of your parents' home or going to school. Any accomplishment in life has had some stretch some discomfort how how do you see that leaders should kind of use comfort and i I mean i guess is there a healthier discomfort i mean i can create awkward discomfort i'm kind of a master of that but is there a healthier version of it oh absolutely i you know i think there are several things we want to think about when we think about creating discomfort and this again would apply to leaders or parents or teachers it has a real broad application and one of the things is what's the purpose yeah, that's great. in other words dis- discomfort just for the sake of discomfort that's like sick that's yeah like that's statism. that's mean yeah that's just mean now frankly sometimes being mean is fun with our friends but <laughs> you know even then it's playfully mean you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah yeah so you're saying so, healthy healthy discomfort is where you have a goal of i guess change of movement of growth Absolutely. Yeah, you know, if, if you're not looking for some positive end, then there's no real function. You know, the other thing is, not only is it purposeful, but I think we've got to think about uh, duration. Is it temporary or long-term? Hmm. What's our capacity? In other words, when you go and work out, for example, it's not like that's going to be 24 hours of discomfort. We're going to go in, push hard, and then, uh, you know, grab a shower, hit the sauna, uh, and we will have gone through our discomfort. That, that's an interesting thing when you bring it into like the realm of parenting, because there's a lot of parents that do not want to allow their child to sense any discomfort in this world. They want to yeah, very, buffer very and sad. be the bumper. Yeah, I, I think it's very sad. And those situations create people who grow up to be dependent, as learned helplessness. And really, let me tell you something else, Matt. I think there is a sense of rejection toward a person if we don't let them struggle or go through some discomfort. In other words, we're saying, you're really not capable. I'm going to have to protect you. That's true, huh? Kind of the social mirror, what we reflect on them is you're too pathetic to handle such (laughs) tension. Yeah, that's a great word. I love that word, pathetic. Don't you love that? (laughs) But you really can't. In fact, so maybe how I treat, uh, and and I have this. I had a client um, that came and saw me whose husband's been diagnosed with a with a with an issue that it's not like it's not terminal but it's it's chronic and it's really debilitating or potentially debilitating and it's it's really knocked out his 
feet from under him. He's lost his identity. He's lost his sense of, you know, his sense of self. He doesn't feel confident. And what's happened to her over the last year or two is she started enabling him and and literally probably trying to decrease his discomfort. She may have become complicit in making him continually think he can't do things. Yeah, you know, what you're hitting on is our desire to help. It's a good, healthy desire. But what we don't realize is that too much help really isn't helpful. Yeah. You, you know, you're making me think. I was uh, in a nearly fatal car accident about a year and a half Ooh. ago. And the uh, in the hospital, you know, the nurses would come to try to help. I had several broken bones, broken. It was a mess. But oh. they, you know, let's don't go there. Yeah. But, but the nurses would come in, and they would want to help me get up, and I would say, don't touch me. You know, I'll get up myself. Yeah. You know, be, because as long, they taught me what I shouldn't do and how I should move and how I shouldn't move. And then, you know, listen, it, it, it might take me five minutes, but I'll make it. Yeah, don't enable this yet. Let me grow. Let me do this. <laughs> it's a, You know, it's a, it's a crazy thing how fragile we kind of are. And really, even that example, you, you're in an accident you didn't even— you know, you weren't planning on, and yet all of a sudden, here is here's a chance to grow. Discomfort, absolutely, absolutely. And, and it, I guess you also, out of that, have the potential to take the discomfort and just, I guess, wallow in it. Uh, you know, become part of the discomfort and the fear, and and run out of fear or run more out of, I guess, hope of something better. Yeah, I th- I think you can run run and uh, maybe run into being enabled to be helpless again. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it. I think there is a great opportunity here, and on on a lesser scale even. Think about uh, mom or dad teaching a child to tie their shoes. There is this eagerness to jump in and help. Yeah, and uh, you know that that doesn't really help a child. You know, gain a skill. Right, right. Well, and how many times have I seen my kids tie their own shoes, and then you look at it and you're like, that is not tied. You've got to tie it right. And it's my discomfort that then I project on them, and then I do it for them, and then I weaken them again. Versus let them go where they're, let them wear their laces a little loose. They'll know in about five minutes they got to do it again. Yeah, and you, you, this transfers right into the business world, too. Yeah. The, the, the problem of meddling and tweaking other people's work and the people who report to us and not giving them enough time to find excellence on their own. You know, the, all of those things are, can be counterproductive. But obviously, depending on timelines and deadlines and you know, those types of things, you, sometimes you do have to step in. But lots of times, if you can, let people struggle with this so that they can grow. And and you see that as as kind of a core competency in leadership, I guess, is the ability to let to just relax, let let people struggle a little bit, find themselves. I do, and young leaders uh, often talk to me. I had a conversation not long ago with a young leader who said, "I can't figure out how to let people struggle, and you know, and how often do you let them fail?" And you know, there's all kind. And in the end, these are all kind of reasons why I. I need to jump in. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sort of justifying my help, helpfulness. Well, and, and money's on the line. And if you're, if you're a small business like mine, you know, it's my money. So yeah. just do it my way and it'll work, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. But so then, yeah, then again, that's, that's my fear as a leader. Absolutely. You're making me think about uh, John Wooden, who said, uh, some, uh, this is not an exact quote, but you have to go slow to go fast. Mm. 
there's this time of learning, and if we will just allow people to strengthen their muscles and develop their confidence and enhance their skills, they'll go beyond where we could ever go uh, if we would just let them go slow at first. Now, granted, timelines, deadlines, there's a crisis, there's, some, you know, there's a key client that needs to be serviced. Sometimes you just have to step in, but it doesn't have to be every time. Right. It's, uh, and it's that counterintuitive, too, where we think... Yeah, slow is faster, but I don't have time for that. Or, <laughs> you know, or you know, giving somebody the chance to fail is not always good. It's this. It's kind of like our nature that doesn't want. We're very efficient. We want to be efficient, and maybe as leaders, we just need to be more effective. I think you're right. This effectiveness is so useful in this conversation, and part of being effective is taking the long-term view versus the short-term view. Mm. You know, successful parents do this, successful business leaders do this. We have to learn that there's something more than just immediate gratification. And it seems like that's the that's the key to almost any successful endeavor, any goal you have, the long-term view versus the short-term. Ah, should I go to school? School's going to take so long, <laughs> so many papers, mm. and yet it, you know, it can be so beneficial. Yeah, schooling is one of the more painful things in my world. I mean, I've been going to school all my life, and I know what you're saying. It's like, ah, it's just like, it's it's very painful. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into this, I think, a lot more. Uh, We're going to take a break. We're joined right now with Dan Rockwell. You really need to go check out his, his blog. His blog is called Leadership Freak. And you can find it at leadershipfreak.wordpress.com. It really, it's, uh, it's filled with some wonderful stuff, as well as you can follow him on Twitter. And uh, he really knows what he's talking about. We're going to take a break, come back, and, and get a little bit more into uh, how to know when to step in. When's enough discomfort? If you're the leader, if you're the parent, we'll give you some ideas on that. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show, friends. This is BYU Radio. Have guests coming over to the International Space Station? We'll just inflate the spare room. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. One thing we're always short of in space is, well, space. Living room. Whether for a space station or a future Mars mission, creating enough room in orbit for people to live and work in safety and comfort is a big engineering problem. Everything has to come up on a rocket, limiting the size and weight of what you can launch or forcing you to send it up in pieces. But there is another way to go, and NASA will try it out on the International Space Station. Robert Bigelow has had two private modular space stations in orbit since 2006. The Bigelow modules are made of folded-up, high-tech fabric layers and inflate like large, expanding balloons, creating high volume at low weight once they reach orbit. Bigelow originally bought the technology from NASA and has spent years improving on the concept, including adding layers of Kevlar and water to protect astronauts from radiation, meteoroids, or space debris. Multiple modules can combine to make larger, lightweight structures. NASA will test the inflatable module for radiation resistance and suitability during a two-year technology demonstration scheduled to begin in 2015. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. 
On Highway 89, listen to live music performances as well as interviews with the artists. At one point, you talked about slow practice, but talk oh, about yeah. the concept and, and why that works, how that helps a player. Well, it's something that had a great impact on, on me as a, as a student. Sort of like the zen of, zen of practicing, playing something so incredibly slow that it might take 30 minutes to get through an entire piece. Tune into Highway 89 weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about a spoonful of discomfort helps the medicine go down. Hmm. Maybe not. We're talking about how your discomfort might be leading you to greater accomplishments. You know, it, it is a sign that uh, you're doing something new and there's a moment of change, an opportunity to grow there. We're talking with Dan Rockwell. Dan has now has over 35 years of experience including business ownership, 15 years as a workforce development consultant for Pennsylvania State University. He has written for the American Marketing Association, the American Management Association, the Society for Human Resource Management. He's also the co-author of the book, The Character-Based Leader. He holds undergraduate degrees in theology, construction and design, and a master's in business administration. And one of my favorite things, he is the uh, the the author of the blog Leadership Freak um, blog, which is leadershipfreak.wordpress.com. And uh, you really ought to go check that out. He's got tons of great ideas. So, Dan, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Matt. So good to have you. And uh, we've been talking about, you know, the, the leadership ability to allow people to feel discomfort, maybe not jumping in. You don't need to go create discomfort. It seems like the world's filled with it. But allowing people to just struggle where they struggle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think if we think about people who have made huge impact in the world, you, you see that they've gone through struggles. I, I would go so far as to say that perhaps our struggles make us. It's not our successes, but our struggles mm. that really make us who, who we are. Yeah. I saw that as a mediator. I was a divorce mediator um, years ago, and I just realized that for some reason, and I think it's because my parents divorced, but I got okay with conflict and Mm -hmm. sitting in it. And I realized that so many of these couples that are on the verge of divorce or were divorcing, they just couldn't handle sitting in that awkward space of tension. And I started thinking, man, what if we could get used to those spaces and actually, and then find our way out of them, and and learn our way out of them instead of fighting and flighting our way out. Yeah, very powerful, Matt. Thanks for sharing that because it it helps us all see you a little bit, and and I think we understand a little better that you know, like in your journey, some of that discomfort and that pain that's part of your journey is really making you have impact in other people's lives today. Yeah, very powerful. Thank you. I really, I mean, that's why I guess anything, even your car accident, anything could lead us to a higher level of, of, of being able to manage this. How do I know when, you know, I need to step in on someone else's discomfort? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think it's so important, whether it's family or business leadership or management, I'm not sure that it really matters. Matter of fact, let's go back to the, the little fellow or girl who's learning how to tie their shoes. Right. Um, you you teach them, you know, the rabbit goes around the tree. I think we did this one with our yeah. kids. I don't know about you. You know, the rabbit goes around the tree and down in the hole and yeah. whatever. I can't remember now. Ours got shot and then you had to bury it in the hole. 
Okay. No, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, that sounds a little violent. I think my yeah, wife taught know. it. <laughs> yeah, out here in Pennsylvania, we definitely do a lot of shooting of animals, so that would work for us. It does, out here in Utah, too. Yeah. So, so anyway... <laughs> You, you, uh, you're teaching them to tie their shoe, you give them the motions and movements, you know, and they start to practice. And um, uh, they let you know, and this is such a, I think, a powerful idea about when to step in. They are starting to do it on their own, and you can see that they're frustrated. So the, the, the helpful parent wants to step in and, and satisfy or soothe their frustration. Yeah. And what does little Johnny or Mary say? I'll do it myself. Yeah, got it. Leave me alone. And, and I think this is so important to understand. People do want to be independent, and they do want to grow and learn, and we actually hinder the process. So we can really learn about stepping in by watching the people we deal with, and are we creating more frustration? Are they, are they frustrated because we're stepping in? Because it says to them sometimes, you don't trust me. Don't you trust yeah. me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? When are you going to get this? I mean, there's an <laughs> obvious time. You know, if you're tying their shoes when they're 18... Yeah, <laughs> you've waited too long. Yeah, that's a, that's a, there's been way too much help in that situation. <laughs> but really, it, it is because it's it's so much of it is us, isn't it? Because we're seeing they're struggling, even developmentally, they're okay. They're going, they're willing to struggle a little bit. Um, but it's almost like you got to put yourself in check and let them find it. Just let them absolutely. figure it out. It's yeah, the patience, absolutely. isn't it? It is. And, and let me just give a little uh, encouragement to all of us who want to be helpful. What happens to little Mary or Johnny when they struggle for a while and they can't get it? What do they do then? They come over and they say, they, Daddy, can you help me? Mom, can you help me? And here's something that happens in the heart of a child when we let them struggle. And it also happens in the business world, too. And then we offer help when they want it. Mm. Here's what happens. They respect us. Yeah. If they if we help too soon, they don't respect us. But if we are and here's another thing about how do you know when to step in? Uh, when you're invited is one of the ways. But what is the con- what are the results? What are the what's the consequence? And in the end, pe- uh, we gain respect if we have allowed people to struggle and then they come to us. Now, we don't want to be distant, right? Right. We Cold. want to be available. We yeah. want to be ready. We want to be willing. That's powerful because it also it puts them in a space where they're now ready to learn. Before, they weren't in a space ready to learn, and you're forcing the learning. But if you kind of give them some space, but you're not coldly avoiding them and ignoring them, and I hope you figure it out, you loser. Um, yeah. But if, you, if you're there, when they really can't do it anymore, then they come to you, and then they ask for help. It's a whole different place they're in. Oh, it's a fantastic dynamic because the mind opens up. If you start to meddle in my business, I'm closing down and I'm pushing you out. But if I invite you in, you see the power yeah. there. It's such a beautiful thing. And parent, whether it's parenting or in the business world, leadership management, doesn't really matter. It really is a very useful skill to learn not to help. Do you know where I've seen that is I had a job where um, the boss basically just said, look, I'm here whenever you need me. Um, but he made an agreement with us that we're just going to hit certain numbers, and we can use any resources, including him. Whenever he, we need us, he'll be there. But then he said, all I'm going to do, though, is follow up on this date to make sure you hit your numbers. If you need me before that, please, please, please come see me. And it was interesting how many people wouldn't go see him till a few days before that date. 
and like <laughs> and then like, I I've blown it. I'm so I'm not re- I haven't done it. I don't know how to do this. Um, so it, it is something where you, you wanna you wanna be available and I guess you you want to empower them to be able to 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 use you to solve help solve the problem when you're ready. Yeah. So this everybody needs a with. You know, we we all want somebody who's on our team. We all want somebody who uh, we can go to for counsel if we need it, or resources if we need them, or a different perspective. But nobody wants a meddler. Right. Nobody wants somebody in their business all the time. Meddler is a great word for it. Yeah. What What was the first word you used? I'm not sure. Everyone needs a. a Everybody needs a whiff. A whiff. Somebody like a, with them. Okay. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah. And yeah. versus a meddler, and so I guess one of the signs, though, you'd see, you'd see if they're getting, because one of the benefits is if we do this prop- appropriately, they're going to respect us. Um, if we don't do it appropriately, they're probably going to just see us as a meddler and not respect us. So I guess you'll get signs from them when they're more and more ready for you, probably when you're seeing a sign of respect. That would be, I think that would be part of it. You know, there can be uh, uh, two ends of this. One is when you step in and you meddle, obviously they disrespect, and if they invite you in, there's more respect. But there's this other end where if you're not available, there is this sense of abandonment and rebellion and frustration, and they don't care about me, and the boss doesn't care. Right. And so there's this uh, line that has to be walked between stepping in and staying out. And one of the things we can do is kind of monitor people. And this is so important in the business world and at home. Just keep your eye on, on people. How, how are they? Do, are they constantly frustrated? Does it seem like there's anger? Uh, are their hands drooping down? Are their heads, you know, hanging down? Keep an eye on people. And, and uh, that's, that also, in my world, is going to be an invitation, not necessarily to solve a problem, but just to open a door. Yeah, that quote uh, by Paul Watzlewick, you cannot not communicate. They're, they're going to show the signs, aren't they? If, if, they're, if they're not feeling, if they feel overwhelmed by this tension or pressure, they're going to hang down. They're going to be heavy. But that's what you're saying. Watch that. Pay attention to some of their cues, to some of their emotional state. Yeah, this happens in offices and you know on teams. It's not just an individual thing. And I've seen it, I've seen leaders in coaching experiences where I've seen leaders dealing with other people who are struggling with something. And you just watch this other person kind of sink. Their shoulders droop, their hands droop, their head hangs down, and the other person is just trying to help. But they tell us, they let us know that you know, are we being too aggressive? Are we too withdrawn? You know, just to, we can navigate that by just watching the emotional state yeah. of the people around us. Tell me about creating the challenge. Uh, I guess one thing you could do, too, to test them, or not test them, but sense where they are, is, is challenge them. Yeah, you've got to have some real good challenge. And, and you can, here's another thing where you can monitor the emotional state. When you challenge somebody in the right way, they rise up. Their eyes brighten. They get excited. They're enthusiastic. Somehow it aligns with what they're all about. And, and uh, they just step into that. Yeah. They, you know, it, there's courage. There's confidence. So there's another way to monitor the state, emotional state, and then decide uh, how far do I go? How much do I help? 
And sometimes it's just laying out a challenge and then stepping back, and boom, they take off. That's powerful. Uh, we're talking with Dan Rockwell, the uh, the founder of the Leadership Freak blog. Okay, so you got to go check that out, leadershipfreak.wordpress.com. Just a wonderful uh, blog on, uh, for leaders. Looking down, on, one of the topics is looking down on young leaders and teaching young leaders. He's pretty much won every award you could win online. you got to go check it out. We're going to take a break, come back, and Dan's going to walk us through what we should be doing as we're mentoring people that feel a little bit overwhelmed or, or you know, trying to avoid the discomfort. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. KBYU FM, HD2 Provo. You don't have to be in your car or your office to listen to BYU Radio. Now all your favorite shows can go everywhere you do. Download our free iOS app and listen to BYU Radio on the go. Tune in for The Morning Show, Matt Townsend, Cougar Sports, and more. All on your iPhone or iPad. Download our app today and listen to BYU Radio. Talk about good. Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. Police in Washington, D.C. think a series of vandalism incidents at national landmarks are connected. A woman was arrested yesterday and charged with splattering green paint inside two chapels at the Washington National Cathedral. Police earlier discovered two similar incidents, including one at the Lincoln Memorial. Health officials in Iowa and Nebraska say a prepackaged salad mix is the source of a cyclospora outbreak that sickened more than 178 people in both Iowa and Nebraska. Federal health officials say that there have been 372 cases of cyclospora in, reported in 15 states from Texas to Connecticut, but they're not sure of if all of it is because of the contaminated salad. Authorities say that three children and an adult have been injured after an SUV collided with a car and sent it through the front of a Kansas City daycare center. About 40 children were inside when the crash occurred, and two of them ended up trapped under the car as the driver fled the scene. There's no word on the condition of the injured children yet. A small school district in Arkansas will arm 20 volunteer teachers and staff with handguns starting this fall for the coming school year. Clarksville Schools District is the latest school in a conservative state to give teachers handguns, but soaring insurance costs have often made such programs debilitatingly expensive in the end. In world news, Israeli and Palestinian negotiators have agreed to meet again as they consider moving forward with peace talks. Secretary of State John Kerry says both sides are scheduled to meet again in about two weeks. Kerry says that there's a commitment to sustained and continuous negotiations on core issues. The next round will be held before mid-August and be in either Israel or Palestinian territories. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are discussing discomfort. It is not only a uh, an irritation that makes you uh, want to do something different. A lot of times it's the sign of very good things coming your way. But you can't just run away. You can't run away from the discomfort. 
And on the show today, we've got a wonderful expert with us, Dan Rockwell. Dan is a leadership consultant. He began uh, in his first leadership position in a nonprofit world at the age of 19, now has over 35 years of experience, which includes running his own business and uh, 15 years as a workforce development consultant for Penn State University. Dan is also the author of The Character-Based Leader and uh, is also owns his own blog, Leadership Freak, which you can find at leadershipfreak.wordpress.com. Dan, welcome back to the program, my friend. You there, Dan? Oh, Dan, we lost you. We'll put you on hold there, Dan, and try to track you down. But Dan's been talking to us about something I think essential. Okay, so as you're a manager, as you're a leader, as you're a parent, you've got to figure out a way to to get your kids to do things you know they don't necessarily want to do. Sometimes that's easy stuff, you know. Sometimes it's hard stuff like playing a new instrument. So we're back with Dan Rockwell. Dan, are you with us again? I am. We had a little technical difficulty, yeah, I think. We lost you. We we shot you out into the ethernet. Is that what we call yeah, it? Yeah, I had that funny feeling of floating. A floating in the ether. Yeah. I don't know. Good to have you back, Dan. This this is a big deal I think in all leadership is um how hard do you push? And uh, one of the great lessons I think you just taught us is people are going to tell you how hard they need to be pushed if you just pay attention to the signs they're giving you. Absolutely. That's so true. And then and then once we kind of know that we're in a good relationship, um, they're coming to us, they're asking us for help, what are some keys that you would give us either as a parent or as a mentor within a business setting or um, even as a friend – to, to be able to kind of push and help other people handle discomfort a little bit better. Yeah, that's so important, and I think it's such a neglected area. We spend so much time doing life, doing business, doing leadership, that we don't spend enough time talking with each other about how we do it together. And, and this, I'm, I'm just call this negotiating our relationship. Mm. So the boss might go to somebody and start talking about, how do you want me to relate to you? A parent could sit down, you, you know, it, a seven or eight-year-old can understand the question, hey, uh, you know, dad's going to have to say no sometimes. How would you like me to say no to you? And think of the conversation that could happen. Oh, that's great. With a, a seven or eight-year-old in, in that context. How, how, do you, how do you want dad to say no? Because sometimes I'm going to have to. Yeah. Or how do you want me to teach you how to tie your shoe? Yeah. Because when you, I just tried you that, you got really mad at me. So I just want to let you learn yourself. How do you want me to approach this? Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. And, and I, really, I that's what you're saying is teach me how to, how to mentor you. See, here's the thing. Uh, we think we know what's best for others, and we think we know how to treat others. But in the end, I think we tend to treat others like we want to be treated. But the better way is to treat them the way they want to be treated. And the only way to get to that is to sit down and have some talks about what does encouragement look like to you? When I'm encouraging you, what do you want me to do or say? I think that's cool. I mean, that's really you're you're setting some rules, you're setting some guidelines, and if we can get the conversation going, um, it's actually pretty powerful because you're you're giving someone power for how they want you to approach them, and it's also giving you some major insight into what to do and what not to do. 
Absolutely. This includes things like, uh, you know, how much contact would you like to have? You know, and this, this works in the, in the work world in particular. Some of us, uh, you know, like to be left alone. Other people like to see uh, the boss or supervisor a little more frequently. So you sit down and say, you know, what's the optimum amount of contact that you want with me that is going to let you know that I'm there and ready and willing and, and also help you feel like somebody's on your team, but yet not be a meddler. Right. You know, not get too heavily involved. Yeah, and it, and it might be, you know, when you're newly hired, you don't even know. You know, I, I don't know, but you could say, what if we just get together every couple of weeks at first and then you tell me what you want then? I mean, that's yeah. what's neat about this is you're just creating a relationship that's changeable. Yeah, I love how you're saying that, Matt, because it, it, we can get stuck in patterns and not realize that situations have changed. And, you know, the context matters. Whether it's a new employee or an experienced employee or somebody who's done the job before or somebody who hasn't done the job before or a teen who was out on their first solo drive in the car or, you know, all of those types of things are factors in how, do, how does the relationship actually work out. We're thinking about the how now. I mean, we, lo- we, we love our, our families, we care for our employees, but we need to spend a little bit more time just sitting down and negotiating the relationship. Isn't that fascinating? Because we don't, we spend a lot of time not talking about the how. We always, t- that's kind of the process we're going to do it. We always talk kind of about the what yeah, or the why. Why did you do that? Or what are we going to do together to make this work? But the process is maybe even the most important thing. Some would say so. I mean, once you have determined the what, you know, whether it's a project or it's the tying of the shoe or whatever it is, you, you, once you've determined the what, you can almost set that on the shelf because now we know what it is. Right. And the focus becomes on the how. And that's the part I think we're so busy doing life that we forget how to yeah. do life and, and that, that the how is important. That's, uh, that is, that's why this is such a leadership topic because – this is where leaders should thrive is in not just what we're doing, but how are we going to get it done and how will we know when we need to talk more about how it's not getting done or getting done. I mean, it's the how is so powerful as a leader. It is. It is. And, it, and just knowing, learning people, learning your people, learning the way they like to be treated. Now, let's, let's face it. We, you can't always do what your children want you to do. You can't always do what your employees want you to do. But as long as you're laying that foundation that your, your heart and your attitude is, I want to be as uh, flexible as I possibly can, then when you have to do things that nobody really likes, it's much easier to do. You know, you were talking about those tough conversations. Yeah. Boy, if you have a foundation of, of good relationship, then, then sometimes when you have to do something nobody likes, you've you got all that good stuff in the bank. Mm-hmm. You've built up the trust. Uh, I guess, too, you could always go in, if you've already set this as a precedence, that we're just going to ask, okay, in every meeting, you can just sit down and say, I see that today we need to talk about this. How do you want to proceed with that? I mean, just that very simple question of how do you want to handle this issue? You could could almost make every issue a one-off or a or, you know, its own little customized solution as long as you're willing to discuss process. Yeah, discuss process. And also think of how that changes when new people come in the room. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, another, it's a great team building thing because you, 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 and I think it's so important to bring new blood in, new eyes in. And so somebody new comes into the meeting or on the team and, and uh, you, you say, oh, how do you want to deal with this particular issue? And here's new blood and all of a sudden, boom, there's yeah. a great idea that just emerges. 
I saw that with my kids a lot. If that they would always say, "Well, you you let Jake do this, or you let Tanner do this," but um, Tanner's different than Jake, yeah. and Jake's yeah. different than Tanner. So it's almost like if we did this as parents with all of our kids, even in you know family meetings or things like that. Everyone would also get that everyone wants it differently. I have some kids that want a lot of my attention, and I have some that don't want my attention, but they want my cash. And so you just – every kid's different. They are, and every employee is different, and the stages of life are factors. Mm-hmm. You know, think about the time you have with your wife, you know, when you were first married versus now and the stages of life that has gone through. But yet we don't spend – we spend very little time negotiating how we will relate to each other. We just, we just do it, and then yeah. oftentimes we get frustrated. Especially like in our in, – in, so you're basically saying in any – scenario, not any, but in most scenarios where there's a little bit of tension, a little discomfort, you could immediately, instead of getting into the discomfortable topic, you could first start with, look, this topic's a little uncomfortable, mom and dad. Uh, you know, you just ran over three stop signs yesterday, and it, and it looks like the police are wondering if you should be driving. How do you want to go about having this discussion? I mean, it's a discomfortable topic. We don't feel good talking about this, but we could set some understanding as to how we want to discuss it. Absolutely. You know, you think, uh, Matt, you think about uh, the the issue of being too quick to solve. Yeah. And, and this is a leadership problem. I think this is a parent problem. It's right in the same bucket as too quick to help. Yeah. Too quick to solve. And instead of solving first, let's just figure out how we want to solve, and then we'll then we'll get the solution. Maybe that is one of these little techniques we use um, to avoid the discomfort of it, right? So instead of trying to sit there and spend hours understanding where we may have let someone down, which would actually build trust, we instead we like, I got it, I got it, I'm an idiot, I know, got it, move on, and we solve it. Yeah, it's um, perhaps. You know, it's this discomfort with discomfort. And so let's get it over with as quickly as Mm -hmm. possible. Man, you'd think, yeah. And then meanwhile, we're then surprised two days later when we're having the same argument. Yeah, yeah, because nobody really told us how. And I I love to do this with my wife. I do this with uh, leadership teams that I work with. You. You st- you want to when you start asking about the how people say well you know I just like to be encouraged or I don't need too much contact or I would like a little more no I want to hear the behaviors mm. uh, tell me something I can see yeah what would tell that me look something like something you can see yeah I love that yeah. what would that look like if we did that that's what my wife would always I'd say I love you and she'd say yeah. why yeah. ah just because <laughs> I do just for reasons that I do. But she wanted specifics. She wanted – because specifics we can replicate. We can learn you from. Know, if, if, if your wife is, is uh, complaining, you know, I don't feel like we're close. So, well, I want us to be closer. That's so ambiguous. Yeah. You say, well, honey, what's going to make you feel closer? She's going to say, hug me more. I'm going to say, I can do that. That I more. can do. Yeah, you know, I'm going to hug you before I leave the house. I'm going to hug you when I come home. I'm going to hug you at lunchtime. How's that sound? (laughs) That's that's pretty fascinating, this idea that most of us think we know what they mean because they we all know what the word, you know, connection or I I just don't feel like we're connecting. Oh, okay, then let's go to dinner. 
Um, but we really, you're just saying, get in deeper and say, what would that look like? What would happen? What would we see happening if we were connected more? Well, especially on the on the husband and wife situation, because uh, uh, husbands are dumber than wives, and uh, wives give us way too much credit on uh, you know all the deep stuff that's going on in our heads. Right. So if you just tell me, tell me, you know, what is the, what does that behavior look like? What can I do? do you know. Does it feel encouraging when I hold your hand? Or, you know, and she may, uh, you know, there are things, you, you forget what you look like even. Yeah. And she, she may say, would you just smile at me once in a while? <laughs> yeah. But then there's, the, then there's the wife that might say, oh, Dan, if you love me, you would know what I need. Oh, yes. And those are yeah, just and we li- I think in our business world and leadership world, we have this assumption, you know, that we, we're supposed to know. Yeah. And boy, doesn't that just roadblock progress? Oh, Totally. But you're saying, ask some questions. For example, how do you want me to say no to you? Uh, what yeah. will happen when you come to me for help? How do, you, how do you want me to help you? You might walk into an office of someone you've watched them, they're discouraged, that you can tell that they're kind of down. So you just come in, have a sit, and say, this is what I've observed, and then say, how could I be helpful to you? Powerful. So share what you're seeing which is why you're coming in. I noticed you were throwing your head down on your desk and sighing after <laughs> yeah. so-and-so left the office. How do you want me to help? What can I do here? Yeah. That's How powerful. Help? And, yeah, it's a, that question, by the way, is such a, the CEO of Campbell Soup, Doug Conant, gave that question to me, and he used it all the time. Uh, How can I help? How can I help? And sometimes people will tell you things and you can't do it. You just got to right. be ready for that. It doesn't mean you're going to do everything somebody says, but it it's opens the door for this exploration that explains the process a little bit better. I think it's powerful. And, and knowing the process, I've just found so many people are struggling, um, not even with the content. I think most people can come up with the answers. It's just the process they don't ever actively think about. They don't think about how they get to decisions. They don't think about how they help create comfort with their partner. Yeah, and so then it doesn't happen, right? Right. That's very sad. (laughs) Wow, Dan, totally. As we're wrapping this up, give us the one thing. So as you think about it and you think with all your expertise and studies and work in leadership, what's the one thing that we could all do to – to be more willing to step into a little bit of the discomfort that can help us grow? I, I think see that it's good. Uh, understand, and I don't, I don't mean that pain is like good in and of itself, right. but, that, but the end result is good, and that our, our pains and our discomforts, in the end, they make us, they build us. So I'm going to say that the, the thing to think about the most is that, and I, it's weird to say it, but pain is good in that it brings about good, not in and of itself. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. And and again, the pain is also uh, a contrast to the better day, to the learning, to the other things that are going to come out of it. Yeah, we don't want permanent pain. No. We just want, you know, we want temporary growing pain. That's what we want. Yeah, that's funny. That's the same thing uh, Skyboy, my board operator, says. I don't want permanent pain, so how much longer is this show going to go on? <laughs> Which I find <laughs> When rude. can I go home? <laughs> when can I go home? I've got to go play with my new guitar amp. Um, yeah. So tell me this, uh, Dan, where can they find you? They really, I think you're a huge resource, tons of followers on uh, Twitter as well. So where should they look for you? 
Um, if you go to Google and type in Leadership Freak, you, uh, that's what you're going to find. If they want to send me an email, people want to contact me that way, it's dan at leadershipfreak.com. That's such a great name. I love saying that. And you know, Dan, at least you're, you're acknowledging that you got a little bit of freak in you. I got a little freak in me. I'm freakishly <laughs> interested in leadership, I'll tell you that. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, where could they find your book, The Character-Based Leader? That's on Amazon. If you just go to character-based, uh, you go to Amazon, type in character-based leader. That's a, a book that I contributed to. There are several authors in that. Uh, that's really, everybody's passionate about not just leadership as a skill, but the character of the leader. I love that. Good stuff. Well, Dan, appreciate it. We're going to have you back for sure. Great. Hey, thanks, Matt. Thank you. Appreciate you. And uh, check out Dan Rockwell. Just Google him or go look up leadership leadership freak dot wordpress.com you can get to, to his blog there we're going to take a break my friends and uh come back when we come back we're going to uh our own colonel rob sanders has put together a little bit of a uh news headlines for people that may be struggling with discomfort this is the matt townsend show right here on sirius xm 143 byu radio Everybody's got a story about a ride-sharing experience, but we're pretty sure we have your story topped this time. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. After about two years, a tiny breakthrough satellite is retiring, but it's led the way to making orbital science more practical and affordable than ever before. It's called FastSat, and it earned that name in several ways. FastSat was built in record time, from off-the-shelf parts to prove how affordable and capable you could make a satellite. Construction was inspired by a schedule change in launch operations. Due to a cancellation, there was room on board an upcoming Defense Agency rocket mission to carry along to orbit a small, separate payload. But could NASA's Marshall Center and the DOD design and build a brand new 400-pound satellite in just 14 months? FastSat lifted off from Kodiak, Alaska in 2010 inside a special dispenser collar that was part of the booster rocket. This collar can hold and eject six mini-sats like FastSat, letting them hitchhike to orbit. FastSat held six experiments, including a tiny nanosat that was launched from FastSat to test solar sail designs. Marshall's FastSat concept inspires the CubeSats of today, showing how to explore bigger by going smaller. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. On This'll Take a While, Dean Duncan shares his point of view of the world. And with some approaches to raising children, and it can be that the dad remains distant, I'm just seeing between the lines or thinking around the recording that there's just an exquisite commitment there, an exquisite attempt to listen and understand. Very beautiful. Join him on This Will Take a While as he explores a range of topics weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we've been talking about discomfort. There's a lot of reasons that uh, people maybe, um, when they feel a little discomfort, they they run away, some hide, and they do it for a variety of reasons. We've talked about that with our last guest, Dan Rockwell. 
But our own uh, Colonel Rob Sanders has put together um, a little bit of a news in review. What are we calling it, Rob? Um, in the news. In the news. But maybe some people are just more lazy. The Matt Townsend Show looks at laziness in the news. Some of us like to eat chicken. Others of us like to eat waffles. And some people like to eat a platter of chicken and waffles. But Popeyes has decided to combine the two together, bowing to American laziness. That's right. One food, boneless chicken, chicken and waffle at the same time. Mad Chicken has one blogger really upset at Panera Bread. Just talking about the company's online viral campaign, which shows chickens being lazy. Relaxing in the middle of a farm field, swinging on a hammock, to which she points out, they don't make hammocks for chickens. The new campaign is actually calling farmers and ranchers lazy. And as a farmer, she says she's no longer a customer. You know, honestly, if I were a farmer, I'd be more upset that her blog is calling me chicken. Here's a kid that's not chicken or lazy. He's 12 years old. He's already developed his new app, which he's selling on the iPhone store. Stealing an idea right out of his real life as he's had to compliment the way his mother looks. The app, which sells for 99 cents, is loaded with seven recorded phrases such as, No, you don't look fat. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You don't look a day over 30. Wait a minute. The more I think about it, that app makes people lazy. And maybe it's apps that are making you lazy, according to the Government Yoga and Naturopathy Medical College Hospital, which is not in the United States. They say playing apps on your cell phone late into the night and then sleeping with them throws off circadian rhythms and makes you accumulate sleep debt. And losing sleep at night causes laziness. But at least the cell phone will work fine. A solar physicist at NASA says the sun is getting lazy. A period of time when solar magnetic storms should be raging and nothing's going on. And his projection for solar flares show it becoming even milder over the next 11 years. I don't know, maybe the sun's lazy because it's always the middle of the afternoon. On the sun. And sunny afternoons are ruining British children. According to one magazine, they're blaming lazy mums on the lack of outdoor play. We're a new generation of cotton wool kids. Do you get what that means? Because I don't. Spend fewer than three hours a week having fun outside. 82% of them spend the rest of their time in front of the TV. Which is remarkable because there's only two good shows on British TV. Now, of course, maybe they're staying in because they don't want to go out. 32-year-old lady tried. She went to a Tesco, parked her car out front, handicapped space. That's because she'd had two hip replacements. She came out of the store to find a fellow Brit had left a rude note on her car, accusing her of feigning a disability and being idle. Oh, and he also scratched her car. Hey, at least the culprit's not lazy, especially that part where he's going to have to come up with an excuse to tell the judge. And all the bickering and polarization got one man in Pompano Beach, Florida, so upset He wrote a letter to the editor, to which he says polarization is not out of deep ideological divide, but it's out of laziness. It's easier to argue than to step out from behind the rhetoric and have a real conversation. Now, I want to argue with him, but I don't feel like it. You're just kind of lazy at the end there. Yeah, you know, I've done like seven stories. I've done. (laughs) He gets so darn tired. So we've been talking about discomfort, okay? And uh, as we wrap up the show, our own Rob, you got a little. Uh, you want to answer a question? Let's answer a question. This here. one comes from uh, somebody who's been dropped into an uncomfortable situation. Life circumstances have put him into a long distance relationship with his girlfriend. Okay. And now he's been dropped into this news. She's hanging out with her best friend. 
which is uh, her ex-boyfriend. Eh, okay, there's a little discomfort for you. Hmm. You know what? I would do exactly what our great guest Dan Rockwell just taught us. I'd get her on the phone. Hey, hi. Don't avoid it. Don't be afraid of it. Just give her the data. Hey, I'm noticing you're hanging out a lot more with your ex. It makes me feel a little uncomfortable. How do you want to handle this? And then start having the conversation of how we're going to talk about this. Because that's messed up. I know it's probably over is what you'll hear. He means nothing to her. Um, And yet they've been probably physical. They have a history. Um, One of the things I've learned coaching people on relationships is you can't go back without restirring the thoughts and restirring the feelings. Now, doesn't mean she's going to act on the feelings, but this woman had feelings for this guy. And uh, those feelings can easily come back just by simply being around. That's why there's like an increase in um, social media affairs that are going on. People that find each other back on Facebook rekindles all those exciting romantic feelings we used to have for each other in high school. Boom. When you're finally having a bad time with your current partner, you go, you get a little bit of a dose of your old partner. Chemistry starts. Bada boom, bada bing. It's all over. So I would just say no. Can't happen. But how I would talk about it? Look, uh, I can see you're dating or you're hanging out with your friend again. It's really making me uncomfortable, and I want to talk about it. How do you want to talk about How do you want to handle this? And get her going. Got her jump in with ideas. Yeah, that's it. Boom, another angel got their wings. Kids, thanks for joining us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. On this show, remember what our goal is, to give you some tools to help you get the skills that we all need in life. None of us came with a user's manual We just have to figure it out one day at a time, and that is the purpose of this program. It's also, interestingly, the purpose of BYU Radio is to make sure you can see the good in the world. There is a lot of good, and uh, we're trying to bring it to you every Monday through Friday uh, right here on BYU Radio. We'll be back tomorrow with more ideas, more tools to give you a leg up on this crazy thing called life. Thank you, and we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio.